What went down in his disqualification win over Jacob NG? What's the aftermath of that look like? Why would a fight with George Cambosos represent an opportunity that would, I quote, never happen again, unquote, in Australian boxing? I'm your host, Joey Lynch, and this is Beyond the Lead with Billy Dibb. Billy Dibb, otherwise known as Billy the Kid, is a superstar of Australian boxing, a former holder of the IBF featherweight title and the IBO super featherweight title. Across his 18-year professional career, the veteran from Sydney has won 48 professional fights, with 27 coming by knockout, compared to just six defeats. He's ranked the sixth best lightweight in the world by the IBF and the 14th best by the WBO. His 48th win of his career, against Gold Coast fighter Jacob NG, however, didn't come in a manner that the 36-year-old would have relished. Even though it did end up with him securing the IBF International Lightweight and the WO Oriental Lightweight title, Dib won the fight in the sixth rounds when NG was disqualified for an illegal manoeuvre, throwing Dib to the canvas with what was effectively a hip toss. In conversation with ESPN's Adam Santarosa, Dib discussed the aftermath of that fight, the opportunities that he had to miss out as a result of those ramifications, and his hopes for what he believes will be a once-in-a-lifetime fight with undefeated Aussie George Cambosos, who will look to become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world when he takes on Devon Haney at Marvel Stadium on June 5. But first, Dib reflected on that disqualification win over NG. Yeah, definitely. Look, not the way I wanted to win. No one ever wants to win like that. But um, uh, I guess, you know, uh, Jacob Jacob was the one who caused the infringement. I was the one who was injured. And uh, at the end of the day, boxing says that if you uh, injure somebody in a fight, you get disqualified. And that's what happened to him. Talk us through the fight. Obviously, a controversial decision, uh, and which left you in hospital, which a lot of people, I mean, there was a lot of talk on social media after that fight. But, I mean, the fact was it was a foul and, and you ended up in hospital. Talk us through... I guess your injuries and, and how you are at the moment. Well, I guess the uh, I mean the injury wasn't too good when it happened. Obviously, you know I had a uh, fractured uh, I dislodged the rib that caused um, fractures to two other ribs uh, in my chest area. So um, uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't a very good fall. The way I landed, obviously, you know, was very awkward and um, caused the injury. But uh, you know, I still I haven't I haven't gone back to the gym and been punched in the chest yet. I've gone back to training to do like a bit of light training and that, but I haven't been punched in the chest just yet. So we'll have to wait and see what happens when I get punched in the chest. And is it? I remember reading you took that into the fight. You had a rib injury you took in. Is that right? Well, I did. It was, but it was nowhere near as bad as it was in the fight. You know, after the injury, of course. But um, uh, you know, I went in with a with a with a minor um hairline fracture. But I'd been nursing it for the last seven weeks before the fight. So going into the fight, it felt fine. It was perfect. You know, I mean, it was no issue. I, I was using the cricket chest plate to to protect it. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, in the fight, I didn't feel it. There was no issues. It wasn't really until he threw me on the floor that I actually was like, had injured myself. So and up, until, what- up until that point, you know, the, like getting hit and whatever it was, I was fine. No problem at all. Yeah. What did you make of the fight itself? I mean, it was uh, an interesting one given the, the height and reach uh, difference between the two. Jacob had 11 centimetres on you in height, but 
the perception from a lot of people in boxing was that the foul was just a result of the frustration that he was feeling that he couldn't he couldn't quite work you out or get a handle on you. How'd you feel in the fight? I felt fine to be quite honest with you. You know, I was boxing well, I was moving well. I, I felt that um, you know, I had been out of the ring for some time as he had been as well. But being younger, you know, you you, you sort of adjust better quickly. And um he, he just couldn't find his range. He couldn't he couldn't land anything of, of note. And you know, the whole thing about you know, the lead up to the fight was, I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to do this. And when he got in the ring and he realized he couldn't hit me, he couldn't hurt me, you know, he started getting frustrated, started playing to the crowd, doing all this rubbish stuff that he was doing. And in the end, you know, he had a self-implosion and cost himself the fight. That's what it was. But, you know, going into round five or round six, I should say, the um, the scores were um, uh, three, three, two. The judges had him up three, two, but I was coming on. You know, my experience was starting to show and, um, uh, you know, the veteran was starting to come through and he was starting to, uh, you know, to diminish in regards to, you know, his, his punch output was, he had fallen down, he was getting tired and I was coming on. What about the, the week in the lead up to that fight? There was a bit of talk between both of you, uh, particularly at the, at the weigh-in uh, a day or two before. What's it like with Jacob? Is there a genuine rivalry there or is it just the games and the, the talk that goes on before a fight? Look for me, I don't really, I don't really, you know, have rivals and all that sort of stuff. I was just building up the fight, you know. I was just, for me, for me, I'll be honest with you, you know, being the age of thirty six now, you know, sometimes you got to outsmart these guys with some of your wittiness, you know. And obviously, you know, I'm older, so I've been around, I've been around the ring for for some time now, and so I just wanted to get in his head, you know, and I, and I did. I, I was successful in doing that, you know. I did a few posts, said a few things at the press conference said a few things at the Wayne. I got into his head, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, his father was telling him, don't let him get in your head. And and I did exactly what I wanted to do. I got in his head and, and in the end, you know, that cost him the fight. He's, uh, you know, he'll learn from that. I'm sure he will, you know, but uh, on that night, it cost him the fight. The, the fallout, of course, is uh, it's left you number six in the world uh, and, and number 14 in the WBO, but... In terms of a rematch, was there talk from from Ace Promotions and and Jacob and G to, to make a rematch? Any interest in that? They never reached out to me. You know, what I mean, they never reached out to me. And uh, to be quite honest, I'm, I wouldn't entertain it anyway. There's no point. Why go backwards when I can keep moving forward now? You know, there's uh, bigger there's bigger fish to fry. Obviously, you know, and um, uh, if I'm going to stay in the game, I want to fight in the big fights. And what about, uh, I mean, obviously you're dealing with that rib injury. You, you, you just mentioned that you're still coming back into your training, but what's what's planned for you for the rest of 22? What's the next big fight for you? Well, to be quite honest with you, Lou DeBella contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in fighting on the undercard of George as the main support. He wanted me to fight an Italian 130-pound um, world champion who was the IBO champion. He's an Italian kid, he's 20 and 0. And um, obviously, you know, I had to decline the offer because... Um, I just wasn't in a position to be able to get back into training and, and take shots on the chest. You know, all these people out there who are saying, oh, Billy did fake the injury and he did this and did that just, just to get the W. Well, I got an offer to fight for a world title and had to turn it down because of the injury. So that, that just speaks volumes in itself, doesn't it? I thought you handled it really well. I mean, obviously you mentioned your experience before, but uh, there was a lot of talk on social media following that incident. But I thought, to your credit, I thought you handled it quite well, given some of the things that were being said post-fight. Yeah, well, look, man, I, I've grown from, from the kid that I once was. You know, I'm a man now. I'm a father. I've got responsibilities. So, you know, I don't get caught up in all that rubbish talk on social media and stuff. You know, people bag me. Even I even get messages still till now. People saying, oh, you dogged it. And I always say, look, 
I appreciate your um your support and um I understand you're upset. That's boxing, you know what I mean? Accidents happen. I, I was the one who wore the accident, so it's all good, mate. Don't don't get too upset, you know. At the end of the day, what's happened has happened, and you know I can't change that. But obviously, I'm not gonna get caught up in all this talk, you know, all this small talk stuff. You know, they're they're all making complaints and um you know making excuses. There's no excuse. You know, you, you committed the crime, and now that's it. You you, you got to take what comes with it. You mentioned George Kambosis, obviously the, the lightweight world champion, holds a number of the belts. He's, he's fighting Devin Haney June 5 here in Australia for the remaining belts at that weight. You're number six in the world in the IBF, number 14 in the WBO, so you're you're in the rankings in terms of a world title shot. What do you make of a potential George Kambosis clash down the line? You've had a bit of words in the past. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the opportunity you just had. On the radar at all, George Kambosis? Well, I'll tell you something. That would be amazing in one sense. I'll say this, and this is with no disrespect to George. I really hope he does well on uh, June 5th. You know, obviously, uh, none of this can happen without George winning against um, uh, Devin Haney. And now, I don't know if he can beat Devin. Devin's a very, very clever fighter. He's going to be a very difficult fight for George. I'm just glad that it's happening at home because that gives George more of a chance to win. But if George does win, if you guys think that George Cambosis versus Devin Haney in Australia is going to be a big fight. Could you imagine what two Aussies coming together? Like, this is what I'm talking about. This is history in the making. Two Australians fighting for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. That will, like, that will never happen again. This comes, this comes around once in a lifetime. You know, when, when's the next time we're going to have two guys who are fighting for an undisputed championship in Australia that are both Aussies? I don't think that's going to happen for a very, very long time. I don't even think it'll ever happen again. Well, this is just by chance. Now, whether George or his team accept the fight, whether Ludabella buys into it, I don't know. But all I can do is continue to push for the fight. You know, obviously, uh, it'd be a very, very difficult fight. George is very explosive. He's fast. You know, he's young. He's ferocious. And I understand that. I was once that young guy too. But as I said, you know, with time... I've gotten more clever. I'm more witty now in the ring. I'm using my experience to upset these younger guys. So for me, if we could make this fight happen, the thing that excites me is it's just history. You know what I mean? There's belts on the line. There's legacies on the line. You know, there's history on the line. It's it's amazing. Definitely amazing. You touched on it there, but what do you make of the, the Devin Haney matchup? I mean, I, from my from my perspective, I, I think a lot of people, particularly here in Australia, are sort of underestimating Devin Haney. I think he's a he's a legit contender. It's a tough fight. Uh, what are your thoughts? Devin Haney is uh, is one not to be uh, to be taken lightly. I can assure you of that. You know, you know, people question his power and all that, but the guy is so clever and slick and smart. He's been groomed as the next Floyd Malva. You know, Floyd Malva's worked closely with him. You know, uh, Floyd Seniors work closely with him. He's got some really amazing people around him. And obviously, his father's done a fantastic job with him. And as I said, Devin's been groomed for this for this opportunity for a long, long time. You know, and if uh, I know that George Cambosis is leaving no stone unturned. That's one thing you can't say about George is that he doesn't work hard. He actually works his butt off, you know, and you can see it in his posts and in his social media. The kid's always training, always running, always doing something. So he's definitely very motivated. But Devin Haney's also motivated and he's very, very, very clever, you know. And sometimes you get, you know, for me, when you're talking about skill for skill, Devin Haney's a lot more skillful than George. Uh, And you're talking will for will. Well, George has got a lot of will, but Devin seems to have that same will, you know. So 
we're just gonna have to wait and see. I think the biggest factor in this fight is the fact that the fight's in Australia. You know, I'll be honest with you. If the fight was in America, I don't think George has a chance in winning. That's the truth. I just feel like on home soil, Devin's uh, Devin's gonna be. I'm not sure what Devin's gonna what's gonna happen to Devin when he comes to Australia because sometimes these guys don't travel too well. Yeah, well, he hasn't fought outside of America, so that's that's always a challenge. And he, he'll soon learn that it's a long way to come to Australia. I've done that flight a lot, a lot as you have, and yeah. uh, it's not easy. No, it's a it's a very difficult flight, and um, you know we're accustomed to it because we do it all the time. George has done it many times. I did it many, many, many times. You know, England, America, Saudi Arabia, you you know all that. I've done it all, so I've travelled to fight. But these guys, they don't. I don't know if they travel well. You know, when you look back at history, you know, Nate Campbell came here. You know, Robbie beat him when he came to Australia. So you know, it's when 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 you've got great fighters like that have come to, have come to Australia. You know, Jesse James, Lehar for Costa Zoo. You know, a lot of guys come to Australia to fight Costa Zoo, just couldn't perform well. They could perform really well at home, but when they come to Australian soil, it's very hard, very difficult. What's your background with George Kimbosis? I know uh, I, I covered some fights in the past where George was calling everyone out. He mentioned your name a couple of times that you weren't even at the same weight at the time, but uh, that didn't stop him. Have you guys sparred in the past? Look, George and I sparred a long, long time ago when I was champion of the world. You know, I was uh, I was getting ready for Eduardo Escobedo. So, you know, and, and he was still an amateur at the time. So we only did like, three three or four rounds and it was just you know when you you're in against that guy who's got that very amateurish style he's like very erratic that's what it was that's all it was you know it was just me trying to walk down breaking down with body shots and stuff but you know it was it wasn't nothing to even talk about it was just a sparring session you know what I mean but um uh, you know when George turned professional you know he was won one or two or three fights and he started calling me out after having three fights saying I want Billy Dib and you know let's get it let's get it done let's get it moving and whatever and you know i can appreciate that because um you know when, you, when you're a young kid coming up you want to build your name you want to you want that opportunity you know and, and george was hungry he wanted the opportunity you know so it, i mean it what it, it came across a little bit arrogant but he was just chasing you know what he wanted to do so you know eventually when he once he once before he fought tfimo and he and i didn't really see eye to eye but we we sort of patched it up in uh, canberra at a boxing event when um, actually Jacob NG fought um, uh, when he when he got dropped in the first round against that guy um, Hunter Hunter Yoni and uh, Brock Jarvis fought on the same card as well. And when I seen um, you know uh, George there, he basically said to me, "Look, Bill, I just want to apologise for my actions. You know, I was only calling you out because we want we want what you have. You know, what I mean, we're all trying to do what you did. You know, and obviously, you know, George has done an amazing job. Now he's you know, going on to beat Tiafimo Lopez. Not a lot of people gave him an opportunity, but uh, he and I sort of patched up our 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 beef, as you could say. You know, and I, and I was very supportive of him uh, going into the TF fight. I messaged him a lot, and you know, wished him all the best and stuff like that. And uh, I guess you know, George is just on his own journey at the moment. He's trying to uh, capitalize on whatever he can. But you know, if if he's all about making history. And this is an historic, historic event. And this could be, like, there's nothing more historic than two fighters in Australia fighting for the undisputed championship. If Devin Haney versus George Cambosis, for example, does 20,000, then Billy Dib versus George Cambosis can do a lot more than that. You know, I know George is saying that they're going to get 50,000. You know, I've read reports of 60,000, 70,000 fans. I don't see how that's going to happen. 
you know, but uh, I wish him all the best. Obviously, you know what I mean? Obviously, Boxing Australia can only thrive on that. But, you know, when you're looking at greats like Manny Pacquiao who come out to fight Jeff Horn, that's probably the biggest fight in Australian boxing for, for some time, you know. And then obviously you got two greats like Danny Green and Anthony Mundoon who faced off against each other and they did massive numbers. So I don't understand how George Cambosis versus Devin Haney is going to do big numbers. I don't see how that happens, but I, I wish them all the best. You can't help but respect George, uh, and it's great to see that you, you guys have patched things up. But I mean, what what did you make of the the Tiafimo? I mean, he was he was as much as six dollars outsider before that fight. He was uh, fifteen dollars by decision. I mean, he was a. Uh, do you feel he really got his respect? He was, you know, he beat two former world champions to get that mandatory shot at Tiafimo Lopez. Do you feel like? And I guess another thing, Aussie fighters. Do you feel like we get our respect? on the international scene because it seemed like everyone wrote him off. No one really gave him a chance when he was a legit contender. Yeah, look, he obviously had um, – because you, you're only as good as your last performance, right? And he's going into this fight against Tiafimo Lopez with split decision wins over um, yeah, Mickey Bay and Lee Selby. So, you know, people people don't really give him much of a chance. You know, you had, you had um, Tiafimo Lopez basically destroying everyone and everything in front of him. You know, and uh, even though uh, Lemachenko was half-cooked, going into that fight with an, with an injury, Tifima did the job and got the win, you know, so made him the man. But uh, I don't think Tifima took George Cambosis seriously. That's the truth. I think that he um he had weight problems. He had marriage problems. You know, he, he had, had so much on his plate and, uh, and George was just so focused. Like, there was nothing that George was not more focused on. He was... So focused on just beating Tifimo Lopez, but Tifimo seemed to be more focused on endorsements, his marriage, you know, all these other things that, you know, your team's supposed to protect you from. Well, unfortunately for, for Tia, you know, he come in and uh, the stars just lined up exactly the way George wanted and he got the win, you know, and he did the job that he had to. And, you know, when, when Tifimo dropped him in the ninth or the tenth, if Tiafimo had anything left in the tank, he would have got him out of there, but he was just basically cooked. So, you know, as, as I said, you know, you got to give George his credit. He came in prepared. He did everything that he needed to do to win that fight, and he did it. And, and then and he, he's in the history books forever. You can never take that away from him now. And, he, and then he calls out uh, Vasily Lomachenko for which reports where it was going to happen, if not for, you know, the situation in the Ukraine. But now Devin Haney and, and who knows down the line. But I guess talk us through your career at the moment. Uh, I, I was super impressed pre-Jacob NG. You seemed to, you just looked, not that you were not fit in, in previous fights. You also always come in great shape. But following you on social media, you just seemed to be at another level. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I took myself to a whole nother level in regards to um, preparing for Jacob. You know, obviously I had a long time to, to prepare for him and um, I put in some serious work. I made sure that I, I had the right team behind me. Billy Hussain was my boxing coach. You know, I had Angelo Sandopoulos, who was my conditioning coach slash running coach. So I, I went to a whole nother level. I had, a, I had like a team that was working on my recovery. So I wanted to do everything correctly because I, I knew that I wanted to put myself in a position to possibly fight for the undisputed championship against George Cambosis. That was it. That was my whole aim. I, I, I remember, you know, I've got the messages on my phone. I actually messaged George um, before he left to fight Tifim. I said, listen, George, 
you get the win against T Fimo, I'll get the win against um, uh, Jacob NG, and let's set up a big Australian, all Australian showdown. And he responded back saying, as long as we both get paid, I'm happy. You know, and as long as we both, and I said, look, absolutely, man. I said, but it's an amazing opportunity for both of us, and Australian boxing can only thrive off that. So I'm just, I was super focused and motivated going into that fight with Jacob, knowing what was what was that, what was on you know what was on the line, basically what was at stake, and you know an opportunity to fight George and to fight for the undisputed championship. I mean, for me, I mean, of course, not a lot of people would give me an opportunity to beat George. I think you know I'd be a hundred to one underdog, but this is definitely a Cinderella story in the making. Well, world champion versus world champion. It's uh, it, it, you know there's a way to sell it, and I think uh, I think you're onto something there, but talk, talk us through this period of your career. I mean, after the Tevin Farmer fight, a lot of people expected, you know, you to retire and, and to stay retired, but you, you've returned. And, and I mentioned the physical transformation that, that we've seen, but you seem to be in a, in another level now. And is that due to, I mean, you, you're married, you're married now, you have a young, a young son as well. Has that rejuvenated you as well? That side of things? Definitely. You know, obviously now and I have, responsibility on my hand so everything i do today is for my wife and my son you know i i i'll move heaven and earth for them and uh you know and obviously in preparation i leave no stone unturned because i know that everything that i do is for them and uh you know obviously the sport of boxing is an unforgiving sport it's not a sport that you play it's a serious sport you can be injured so i take it very seriously and uh i guess for me i just i've just really really switched on in this last part of my career knowing that you know, I'm one loss away from complete retirement. So, you know, if I was to lose again, if if I was to lose to Jacob NG on the 19th of March, then I would have been done. That would be, it, be the end for me. You know, I'm not going to be somebody's stepping stone. And But the, the, the really cool thing about my boxing career is that even though I've got six losses in my career, every one of my losses has either been at the top of the food chain. You know I mean? It's been in a world title fight. So, like, my only losses are Stephen Loeveno, uh, Takashi Mura, um, uh, you got um, uh, and, and you got Gradovich twice. That's the five losses. And then you got the other loss, was, which was to Amir Khan, which is a fight that I shouldn't even be in. You know what I mean? Like it was me against it. You know, it was David versus Goliath. But I'm really proud of the career that I've had. You know, I've, I've, I've had an amazing career. I've achieved some great things. When I was just a young boy, right? When I was just 12 years of age, if I could have fast forwarded my life, to 2022 and i could say you know what i'm a, I'm a two-time boxing world champion and i'm currently rated in the lightweight division i would have said no way I, I can't believe it that's unbelievable you know but as you get older and you start winning fights and you you know certain things happen in your career you win some you lose some you know obviously i wish that i could have won five world titles you know but when i was a kid my goal was to just win one world title. I never set out a goal to win numerous world titles or three or four or five world titles. But sometimes if you manifest something, if you think, if you want something so much and you manifest it, sometimes it comes true. But all I wanted was to be a world champion. And I never, I never asked God. I never said, Hey God, I never got down on my knees and said, God, please allow me to win numerous world titles. I just said, God, just let me win one world title. Please God one. He let me win two, you know? So I'm, I'm definitely very grateful for the career that I've had. But as I said, it ain't over yet. And the opportunity to fight George, even though I don't know if George would entertain the fight, because obviously, you know, I respect George and his team. They're chasing big fights. Vasily Lemachenko, you know, they're, ch they're chasing the Javante Davises and all that sort of stuff. 
And, you know, you can only give him credit for that. But I'm saying if they were to do this fight, this would be history. If they care about Australian boxing history, then this is something that they'd want to do. You know, because this is something that would put me and him in the history books forever. Like, you don't, you can't talk Lester Ellis without talking Barry Michael. You can't talk Barry Michael without talking Lester Ellis. It's just them, them guys just had something that happened to them in their, in their era. And I, I just feel that George and I can be them two guys once again for Australian boxing. What's your take on the, on the scene at the moment? I mean, it's red hot. Uh, a lot of people after the Mundine Greens retired, uh, they felt that the scene would take a bit of a dip and it did for, for a couple of years. But I mean, we've got such a, a hotbed of young fighters, obviously Tim Zhu, uh, sort of leading the pack alongside George Cambosis, but um, so many good fighters coming out of Australia in the mix for world titles in the top 15 in the world. It's an exciting time for the sport. Definitely. Look, when you're talking about pay-per-view numbers and, uh, and TV sales and stuff like that, obviously Tim's who's leading the pack. But when it comes to obviously, you know, championships and what have you, obviously then you got to give it to George. But when I say boxing's at a really healthy state, right, at the moment, it's it's really healthy at the moment. Australian boxing is uh, can definitely be super proud. You know, you got you got some really great fighters, even Harry Garside winning as winning a bronze medal. You know, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Olympic Games uh, bronze medalist. You know, boxing Australia is definitely very healthy at the moment. That was going to be my question, Harry Garside. He's a lightweight. What do you make of that? Did you think you'll ever clash? I think your styles, obviously you're, you're talking George Cambosis and you're, you're talking about titles. Harry Garside has had three professional fights, so it's probably some way away. But what do you make of his entry into the professional? Oh, man, I love it. I, I think Harry is a fresh breath of, uh, breath, breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? He's an, he's an amazing fighter. He's got some great skills. You know, we, we, we're friends. You know what I mean? We've done some work in the gym together. We've sparred together. You know, and, I, and his team are just amazing people. Um, Baby Pete. And he's trying to join the law. So I love him to death, you know. So uh, the thing is, man, Harry and I will never fight. It'll never happen. And I'll be honest with you, I'll maybe one or two fights away from retirement. So, yeah. you know, obviously, if I lose another fight, then I'm definitely done. You know what I mean? I'm definitely, definitely done because it's too hard to rebuild, Adam. It's way too hard, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, if I was to example, get a fight with George Cambosis and, and it was an all out war and it was an amazing fight and I was to win or lose, you know, that might merit another opportunity. But, you know, I just feel like, as I said to you, you know, a lot of people would not give me an opportunity against George. That No one would ever pick me to win that fight. And, you know, that's definitely, you know, when, when you're, when you're, when you're an opponent or when you're a fighter and you'll get in, you're a hundred to one underdog. The guy that's going to fight you, he doesn't think much of you, obviously, because, you know, the pundits and everyone's are saying that he's going to destroy you. So whether he mentally prepares for you correctly or not, that's one one thing, you know what I mean? But they don't know. what They don't know what i got inside me, you know, as a fighter and what I've been through in my life and the, and the trials and the tribulations that I've faced and how much I'm willing to push. Where am I willing to go to mentally and physically to win? So, you know, and obviously if I fought George, you know, I'd be coming for I'd be coming for everything everything that he's got. I'm coming I'm coming to win. I'm like I'm not coming to lay down. For me, it's not an opportunity to to compete. For me, it's an opportunity to win, and I'm coming to win. Well, to, in closing, what's what's the next six to twelve months? It, it looks as though you're looking at one fight at a time. You can't look too too yeah. far down the road. It, it, what what's in the plans? If you can't make the George fight happen, what's the what's the next the next best scenario? Uh, look, you know, there's there's a few names that I'll that I'd love to that I'd love to mix it up with. Obviously I'd love to go out with a bang. I'd love to go out on a on a great opportunity. So, you know, 
I'm, I'm just going to name a few names, but I'm uh, uh, Javante Davis, Devin Haney, you know, Ryan Garcia, Vasily Lemonchenko, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, George Cambosis, and the other one is the IBO um, Super Feather, uh, sorry, the IBO Lightweight Champion, who's from the UK, trained, he's under Eddie Hearn's banner. So I'm not sure of his name, but I definitely love an opportunity against one of them guys. Well, I'd watch all of them, so uh, you've solved me. Uh, Billy, I wish you all the best in these next phase of your career. It's, it seems like you're in, in that purple patch. Uh, you, you're loving the sport, and, and we can see the smile on your face, mate. Hope it goes well. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate your time. You can keep track of Dib's next challenge, all the build-up to Cambosis' fight with Haney, and everything boxing and combat sports related across ESPN.com.au and ESPN's social channels. But for now, I'd like to thank you for joining us for another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead. It's time for a conversation between ESPN's Adam Santarosa and Billy, the kid, Dib. I've been your host, Joey Lynch, and as a reminder, you can catch this episode, every other episode of Beyond the Lead, and all of ESPN's collection of podcasts and audio goodness wherever you happen to get your pods from. If you're enjoying Beyond the Lead or any of those other podcasts, be sure to subscribe leave a famous five-star review, and help spread the word. But anyways, thanks for listening today, tomorrow, or whenever you happen to be tuning in. And do not fret, as I'll catch you soon for another deep dive into the world of sports as ESPN takes you beyond the lead very soon.